Hello and welcome to Knit, Design, Edit, Sleep, Repeat with Lisa Conway, Denise Finley, and Tiffany Wooten. Let's listen in and see what's happening, who's happening, and what's new in their world. Welcome. Today we talk with Lily Chin, knit and crochet designer, teacher, and author. I would like to apologize for the quality of today's audio. Unfortunately, in recording, Denise's track was completely lost. I am editing in the questions that I can to make sure that Lily's comments make sense. However, it might be a little rough. Denise, I am so thrilled we have Lily Chin with us today. Lily, welcome. Hey, gals. Pleasure to be here. Well, Lily, I would like to ask you first and foremost, if you would please share with us how you became a designer. What what was your process in starting with this career? Well, first of all, um, I started knitting first, actually, technically, when I was about eight, mother cast on 20 stitches and Next thing you know, the 20 stitches became three and I got really frustrated with it. So my mother was desperate to keep me occupied because I'm the one who takes apart the toaster, you know, if I'm not like my own devices. So she stuck the hook in my hand and literally I was hooked from there was like duck to water. And it wasn't until I was 13 until I went back to knitting and I said, I'm not going to let this thing, you know, this knitting thing uh, lick me. I'm going to tackle it. And so I went back to master that. So that's how you get involved with the craft. At least I did. And it starts in little baby steps. It starts, I think, usually with altering an existing pattern. You don't like, uh, you know, the neckline. You change the neckline a little bit. You change the length of sleeve, whatever. You change it to longer or shorter, whatever. So I think that those little baby steps you take are in altering an existing pattern. But then you have ideas for what you want to do. And so then you start trying to do things from scratch because you've had enough experience doing it from other people's patterns that you feel that you have enough insight or enough skill to maybe do the things that are in your head. So I think that it's done in little baby steps. I don't know of anybody who just like jumps in and and starts doing their own thing from scratch. Well, did you get any formal training? Oh, very much so. Um, I grew up in New York City's garment industry, and I was working there since I was 13. It's called child labor, don't tell. But I, <laughs> yeah, after school and in the summers, um, you know, I started off doing um, payroll. My older sister was the uh, bookkeeper, so, and my mother was the forelady. So I got an in-depth um, education on garment making, garment, uh, everything from cutting and draping and stuff. But uh I was also the gopher. I mean, if the button holder was out, I'd run the button holding machine. I would be the thread cutter if that person was out. And so I learned from the ground up garment making, which I think is very important, um, certainly to garment design. However, uh, I also had art. I I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology. Um, Technically, I actually went to Queens College, but I was able to go to FIT in New York. Um, That's a fashion school. And um, I was able to get credits from there. And so I had the art training and I had um, also the uh, general experience of 
having knitted and crocheted a lot since I was a young kid. So it's a combination of garment making and art and intrinsic knowledge of the craft that I think are important. What do you see has changed in the industry? I know you've been around for quite a while. What's different now than, than when you started? Everything. I mean, it's been disrupted. You have to remember, I started off maybe not in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, because I was doing this as a kid. Um, literally, I was in high school when I started doing some designs for manufacturers in New York, an accessories designer. And um, I started off by doing piecework where she would give me a pattern. I would do, uh, let's say, three dozen hats and I got paid per hat. But then I started to design the hats for her. And so um, my stuff would wind up in department stores, Macy's and Bloomingdale's. And so I would say I started designing, uh, you know, at age like 17, um, 16, 17. Uh, and that was for a manufacturer because New York was the manufacturing base. I was very lucky to grow up in that. And then I started to design for publication in the early 80s. I think it was 81 something like that, where I would start designing for magazines like Women's Day. Uh, so you, some people might remember Women's Day and a family circle they used to have on a regular basis, knitting crochet patterns. I think that's where I got my start. Aha. Uh -huh. So um, <clears throat> I figured that I was following their patterns for years as a kid. Why not submit them to them? And again, luckily, because I was in New York, uh, their offices happens to, happened to be a subway right away. So um, I was designing very early on in the traditional sense for your, uh, well, not many people do it for manufacturing so much in our industry, but I was do work, doing work for magazines and for yarn companies as well. And it used to be that you would submit to them and they would choose um, which designs to come up with. So I came up through the design, design channels that were a lot more traditional. So I submitted designs, people picked and chose them and I had tons and tons of rejections. But nowadays anybody can put out a design, hang up a shingle, and there are no real rejections per se in the traditional sense. You design what you feel like and you just put it out there. So um, it's a totally different process. You don't uh, put in submissions for approval and um, it's not seasonal. Uh, magazines would have, um, let's say, an eight-month um, lead time before you submit for uh, each magazine each season. So very radically different. Since you came from a more traditional background, what are your thoughts on the growth of independent designers? I can't say too much on the growth of independent designers because I've not really followed that too closely. Um, I am very fortunate in that people have always come to me. Um, I have my connections. I have my relations. And so, um, you know, people come to me when they need something um, for, for their magazine or for, you know, their next season's collection, et cetera, et cetera. But... Um, I'd like to experience that freedom that uh, designers have nowadays of putting it out whenever they want, of uh, being able to put out whatever they want, but not have to have um, that uh, that 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 that, that um, uh, selection process. And so I think that there's tremendous freedom, but I'm guessing that with tremendous freedom, there's also tremendous responsibility. 
Denise mentioned independent designers and how they plan their year. She asked Lily about how she plans her year and how frequently she releases new designs. I do about once a month, and I could do more if I if I pushed to, but I've gotten to the point where I am through with the deadlines. You see, that's the one thing about the traditional route is you have these deadlines, and that de deadlines have been the bane and scourge of my life. I mean, literally, I would stay up sometimes for the three days straight trying to meet the deadline, um, and it isn't just the designing. I've had for years worked for manufacturers, as you know, and I used to do runway pieces for designers like Isaac Mizrahi, Dan von Furstenberg, um, yes, Ralph Lauren. And well, they have super duper deadlines because fashion week comes twice a year and everybody needs it at the same time. Right. And I wasn't designing it. I was, um, you know, engineering it. And, but it would mean that I would have to stay up for three days straight. And I, sometimes I would stab myself in the leg with a hook or a needle just to keep myself awake. Oh, yes. It was a horrible life. I mean, I felt like Cinderella. And I would have these social functions that I couldn't make because I had a deadline. And so I went through a lot of, um, you know, deadline hell. And so deadlines have become my life, really. And so I'm used to I mean, if that was so hard on you, Lily, what kept you going? I had no other marketable skills. <laughs> what other differences do you see between the traditional designing for magazines and manufacturers than designing as an independent? Well, the other big difference is that I like being able to like do up the design, write out the pattern. I'm done. I don't have to do the proofing. I don't have to hire any tech editors. That's done by somebody else. I don't have to do the photography. Uh, not my forte. Let some let a professional do it. I don't have to do the marketing, et cetera. Et cetera. I mean, it's like about 12 jobs at least nowadays for an in, any independent designer. And then there's the layout, pattern layout, you know, having fonts and stuff. So all of that, they are different, different separate skills. So I applaud anybody who, you know, does that. And, you know, it might mean having to hire out um, a lot of other people. But that's a lot of responsibility, and that's more than I ever really want to take on my own, you know? So so the traditional route had its problems because of the deadlines, but it had a lot of advantages, too, in the fact that all of those different hats that an independent designer wears, you didn't have to worry about. Correct. Where do you find inspiration for your designs? Everything. Everything, anything. Um, I do a lot of fashion, so I look at the runways. Uh, I do, uh, my husband's an architecture writer, and so a lot of architecture inspires me. Um, uh, art, but also ideas and um, theories. Uh, for instance, you know those exercises they give you on Project Runway? Um, yeah, how would you create a design based on, um, you know, angst or anxiety? So, you know, exercises like that, uh, it could be mood, it could be feel, really, it's everything. It's just the world is your oyster. So how do you stay ahead of the curve? If you're watching the, the runways, how do you decide what's going to be that next coming thing? That's something about design that has always confused me is how do you stay ahead of it? Well, you uh, look for what are on the runways and, you know, that's usually like a season ahead. And there are lots of services for that that you can pay for, trends, services, et cetera. Again, you pay into that for those trend services. 
But really, I look at it and uh, because I think you should always keep your finger on the pulse. But what I cannot stand and what's the pet peeve of mine is that they say that say um, that uh, three quarter length sleeves are going to be the thing. And then everybody comes up with the same thing. It's that same thing over and over again. And it's it's the sheep mentality that bothers me a little bit. And yes, it's going to be trendy. But does everyone need to do the same thing? Gotcha. And that. That's another advantage of independent over the traditional route is the fact that they don't have to worry so much about the trends. Uh, so true. But even I found that um, of the few, um, you know, independent des designs that I've seen, because it's on my Instagram feed, let's say, I, I, I even though they're indie designers, I find that they also follow the same trends. I mean, how many, um, you know, uh, top down raglans are we going to see, you know? Right, right. Yes, the circular yokes. And um, yeah, so you know what they are. You see them over and over again. Right. There was a, a couple years ago, the big boxy was the thing. And everybody was coming out with the big boxy. Yes. And now, now I'm starting to see peplums as well. Okay. I just have to take out my 80s wardrobe out. <laughs> yeah, I just was never really good at predicting what was coming or well, I was never good at following the trends either. I am not a fashionista like Denise is, unfortunately, I think. Sometimes. Yeah, but you see it, you see it though, and you're in the patterns that are coming out, you see what the trends are, even if you're not like ahead of the curve, at least you know what they are just by looking right, around, right? right? Shifting just a tiny bit, has there ever been a time that you wanted to just give up and find something else to do or can you tell us why you wanted to give up and what kept you going? I never thought of giving up because I do still love it so much. And if I didn't love it, I wouldn't do it, I guess. Even though my fantasy would be to be a sportscaster, uh, I want to work for ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> but alas, um, I don't have the credentials for that. So there you go. Uh, but no, I... I never thought of doing anything else and it's never got even in those awful deadline times i still felt like this was this was me this was what i was meant to do okay <laughs> denise mentioned how none of our designers seem to be willing to give it up yes when it's in your heart there's just nothing you can do to let it go it's even designers who have faced severe difficulties in their design world they wouldn't give it up anyway. Oh, I have to amend one little thing. Um, my books, I've got seven of them. That's where I have a little bit more freedom. Uh, where, you know, I, uh, I get to basically choose my collection by and large. Yes, the editors of the book uh, do have a certain input, but I feel I've always felt like with the books, I've had the most amount of freedom. And yes, there are certain deadlines, but you have, let's say, six months to get the collection done, that sort of thing. Right. How did you go from designing to teaching? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. They think that just because you are a designer that you can teach. In, in 1989, my, you know, people um, noticed my designs. I'm in the magazines. And so I started getting shops and guilds contacting me, uh, wanting me to come in and do a class or whatever, a workshop. And, and here's the thing. How do you know that I'm good at that? Just because you see my name out there. 
And I had lots of anxieties about that because I said, I'm not a teacher, you know? And so I did a lot of uh, homework and I, I, I searched my soul and I said, okay, what do I want to see in a classroom? How would I like to um, see things presented? And so I put myself in a student, um, you know, mindset of what I would like to see from somebody. I worked really long and hard at trying to be a good teacher. Um, and again, it's a separate skill. I quizzed my educator friends and they've given me lots of good hints and advice. Uh, a lot of it was instinct and a lot of it was seat of the pants, but I am very, very proud of my teaching skills because I think that I'm quite a good teacher, but I worked long and hard for that. And so, you know, that's something that um, I had to earn. You know, it, it it's kind of funny, Lily, listening to you say that because when you were 13, you were learning how to design. You were you were doing all of the little pieces that led to the ability to do that. When I was 13, I was sitting in my bedroom pretending I was the teacher to learn my lessons. Really? And I actually grew up to be a teacher for a while. I, I moved to Alaska where teaching substituting was not an easy thing to do i lived in a community of about 3000 people and there were over 350 subs on the list you don't get much work that way <laughs> so wow. i kind of lost the ability to do it in the public schools but i have continued to teach in my adult life working for a title company teaching our clients how to use their computers I have homeschooled my three children. Teaching was to me what designing was to you. So to hear you have to go through that process, I'm going through the other side of it now to learn to be a designer. Oh, that's funny. But yeah, putting yourself in other people's shoes is a huge um, is a huge um, advantage, I think. Yeah, it's it, and it's great to have these conversations with people because you learn so much. So Lily, what's coming next? What's waiting in the wings? What project or design are you currently working on? Um, I'm starting to travel again, which is giving me conniptions of sorts. I mean, um, I haven't been on an airplane since the start of the pandemic. My last flight was coming back into the country on one of the last flights back into the country, uh, March 15th of 2020. I was coming back from Morocco and, um, you know, it was close to being the last flight from abroad that was able to come back into the U.S. And then I came home on March 15th and bang, lockdown the following day. Right. Right. So, um, I, you know, um, at Interweaves, uh, at the end of April, I'm at Interweaves Yarn Fest in um, Loveland, Colorado. I'm supposed to be in, um, I'm supposed to be in New Orleans in July for the Crochet Guild of America. And so I'm starting to travel again. I did do one trip back in October of 2021, and that was a train trip for me to Virginia for the, uh, uh, for the uh, Crochet Guild of the Prince William County. So I took one trip to teach, but, um, you know, I'm looking forward to actually traveling, even though I'm having conniptions. It's like, okay, do I remember how to pack again? And <laughs> I, I just booked some flights and it's just like, I, 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 I printed them twice just to make sure. <laughs> and um, I'm also doing a, a TV show um, 
I don't know if I can say it. Yes. Are, are they keeping you quiet about things? Because I know that can happen. Well, I haven't done it yet, so I don't know if I could mention it before I do gotcha. it. Gotcha. But I'll just say that I'm I plan on, you know, I, I'm scheduled to do a, a TV show. Okay. On okay. We will we will ask you if if it you do do it if you would just like let us know so we can let our listeners be aware of where they can see that. You know what? If this is going to be done later, um, I can. Although most people can figure it out that how many Indian shows are there. It's Net and Crochet now. It's on PBS um, a lot, and the people from Annie's put it on. I love that show. <laughs> So uh, I leave it up to you. You can edit it any which way you can to put in what I just said. But um, by the time this airs, it's probably you know no longer a secret. Okay, I, I will make a note of that. I will ask those people, and I will get back to you also. Whether you know, once I do the taping after the taping, which is supposed to be in May, I will get back to you on whether I can mention it or not. That's wonderful, Lily. Thank you. So we have a couple of just last questions that we ask everybody um and the first one is where can our listeners find you you know i've got a funny story for years i have avoided social media like the plague um because i don't like to have my data mind i don't like you know to um uh to, to be uh, advertised to and, and i like my privacy you know i hear you but there's yeah. So certain venues, though, say that I needed social media presence in order to put me on the teaching roster. So I bit the bullet. And back, I think, in June of 2021, I actually did it. So you can find me on Facebook the most. That's Lily M. Chin, L-I-L-I-M, as in Mary, C-H-I-N, Lily M. Chin on Facebook. You can look me up there. Um, Lily M. Chin on Instagram. Um, that's, again, L-I-L-Y-M-C-H-I-N on Instagram. And I'm at Lily M. Chin 1 on Twitter. So in that order, Facebook, I do the most of. Instagram next and then Twitter some. Uh, even though I have an account on Ravelry, it's Lily M. Chin on Ravelry. I've only gone in there once or twice. Um, it's such a time suck and I don't want to... Uh, have the time for it i really don't social media period uh, is a time suck it really is uh and even though i'm on pinterest uh lily uh lily m chin nyc on pinterest i only have i went in there at the beginning i saved seven boards and then forget it i was not there ever again well really pinterest is nothing more than a glorified google <laughs> Seriously, that that is what Pinterest is. And while I know some people successfully market there, I find it's very cluttered. Denise asked Lily about her night on the David Letterman show. Oh, that's very funny because I was just talking about this at dinner yesterday night um, with some friends from California. And the funny story about that is, okay, First of all, I don't take it too seriously because I'm probably not the fastest crochet in the world, but um, the Craft Yarn Council of America wanted a PR campaign. And so they held these contests. And um, so I won two international contests. Um, you know, not everybody could get to those contests, big whoop, but it was their um, ploy to basically use that to get, get publicity for the crafts, for the yarn craft. But originally, Letterman, having learned, heard about it, wanted the fastest knitter, and she's in England. <laughs> and so, 
they want to fold her in. That's okay. But they said the craft yarn council says, no, you want the fastest crocheter. And they said, no, we want the fastest knitter. So they called her up. They interviewed her. She goes, a knit a sweater in under an hour. That's absolutely impossible. No, I'm not going to do it. So they, so by default, it went to me. And, you know, I felt a little jip because I'm in New York and Letterman was taping in New York. I just rolled out of bed and I'm there. I could have, you know, if I lived somewhere else, I would have gotten a nice trip to New York with hotel. <laughs> so that is a, a fun story of your career, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it was. And and, and actually, it, 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 yes, it was fun. But I have to say, there was a certain amount of pressure, too. It's truly a shame we don't have Denise's comment here. Well, they told me not to start until he finished his monologue and the guy wouldn't shut up. <laughs> what I especially liked, though, was um, they were expecting little old lady stereotype, you know? Denise mentioned that the link didn't seem to be available anymore and asked Lily if she could share it. You know what? I will forward it to you. Um, I have it somewhere. I, I'll forward it to you and then maybe you can put it up. Um, you know, uh, uh, on the podcast uh, website. I would love that, Lily. Thank you. I would love to see it because I, I've only heard about it through Denise. So, Lily did share a link to the Crochet Guild of America and the David Letterman file. However, when I downloaded it, it would not unarchive, and I believe the file itself may not exist. Please feel free to try, but I'm afraid it may not be there. Wonderful, Lily. Thank you. Well, our our last question we ask all of our designers, because as you know, we are here to help the new budding designer get their start and learn the steps and, and the processes. So seeing as your route is a little different than some of the independents, what advice would you give the budding designer? Do your homework. Um, you're going to have to write patterns. Why don't you get some patterns and study them and see, you know, how other people do it. Get to know your crafts well, uh, because you make a mistake and it's in, it's out there forever. Um, I remember there was one fairly well-known designer who um, uh, did a, a, what is known as the SSK, the left slant decrease in knitting. Mm -hmm. Had you slip both as if to purl rather than as if to knit. Yeah. And I've seen sweaters out there with necklines that uh, a V-neck where the decreases are the same on either side of the neck and not the, you know, pair decrease right and left. So do your homework and, uh, be, you know, uh, get to know your craft well. Um, just because you can knit or crochet or do a few basic crochet stitches. Yes, you can have fabulous ideas, but they are going to be picked over and there are people who are going to be following it. And, um, you know, you put out a pattern out there. If you don't want like tons of questions because of a certain uh, errata or something, you know, those are things to avoid. Um, um, actually, this does lead to another question that I just thought of is, one thing I've been challenged with is finding places that teach crocheters how to write patterns. There's lots of material for knitters, but I can't find anything for crocheters. Would you know of a source for that? I think that Craft Yarn Council has a website, cyca.com um, or something uh -huh. like that. 
Craft Yarn Council has a lot of great information out there. Uh, and on their website, they have like standard sizes. They have like their um, yarn standards and stuff like that. So you will find lots of good things that are standardized on their website. But look to the materials that are out there already in terms of books and magazines and see how other people do it, as I said. And even though it might not be standard, at least you get an idea for what for how other people are doing okay. it. Okay. So just look at other people's. So you don't know of a class or anything that is out there for writing crochet patterns. Uh, no, but um, as I mentioned, the website is good. Okay. They have some patterns there as well. Okay, great. I've been able to find uh, classes for how to write knitting patterns, but I've never found one for crochet patterns, and they are slightly different. So I was curious if you had ever heard of one. Well, from the Craft Yarn Council's website, you'll also get to know the standard abbreviations, right. et cetera, et cetera yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. I send a lot of people there for a lot of things. <laughs> right. And as I said, I would try to look for more mainstream um, patterns first rather than other independents because other independents can do it a radically different way and you won't know that it's radically different. Right. Good advice. Good advice. Well, Lily, it's been an amazing pleasure to have you with us today. Denise's exact question has been lost, but related to the internet and its influence on designing. I think that um, the internet has opened up a brand new world to international. I have seen so many things from other countries, especially um, even though it's not popular to say it, but the Russians have done phenomenal crochet that I don't see, uh, you know, very often done anywhere else. So I think that that has inspired me a great deal. I can never do that stuff. I mean, a lot, I, a lot of it is freeform and it's not my forte, but I love it. I think it's very imaginative. So I think that besides um, opening up uh, avenues for the independent designer, I think that you're exposed to more international design from other countries that we wouldn't normally have access to. Denise mentioned the Japanese influence on both knit and crochet. Exactly. There's another one, and uh, that's become very popular also because there have been a series of books um, that, that, that Gail Rome had um, translated. So you've got better translations. You've got um, you know access um, via Instagram or whatever to all these international designs, and uh, that's been a big boon as well. So we're not so much uh, U.S. centric anymore. And I will say, her talking about the Russian designs. That is one thing that Pinterest is good for, is seeing. You may not learn much about it, but at least the image is there. If you go in and search for crochet, just that word on Pinterest, a good many of the images that do come up are Russian designs. And it is where I've seen the most inventive kinds of, of things at times. And actually, internationally, some countries do not distinguish between knitting and crocheting. So don't even stick to uh, crochet. And I have to say that as um, not only by Craftual, I'm actually tri-Craftual because I do machine knitting as well, uh, which is a whole nother craft. Um, I, I have to say that I tell my knitters to always look to crochet because there's nothing like a crochet trim and at least get to know the basics of your chain and single crochet. Oh, definitely. 
Yeah, and I say to my crocheters, at least learn the basics of knit and purl because there's nothing like a knit rib on any piece of crochet. So don't just, you know, stick to your one area. Um, branch out a little bit and you'll find that the other crafts have a lot to offer. We can always beg, borrow, and steal from them. Excellent. Excellent, Lily. Well, thanks again. I really have enjoyed chatting with you and learning from you, and I'm sure our listeners will as well. Okay, take care, gals. Thanks. Come back next time when Denise and Tiffany talk tech editing versus testing. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen. And join the conversation in our Ravelry or Facebook groups. For show notes or knit tech editing and related services, please visit my website at arcticedits.com. To inquire about crochet tech editing and other services Tiffany provides, please go to wootcrafts.com. <laughs>